Hi everyone, welcome to this week's episode of What the Faith. Today we talk with Shakina Larks. Shakina is the program coordinator and diversity trainer at Bacola Shown, an organization advocating for a paradigm shift in how Jews see themselves and are seen by others. They help establish the language and experience of diversity as an integral part of Jewish identity. Shakina also holds a BA in politics from the University of San Francisco. She's a native of Oakland and is very involved in Jewish life in the Bay Area. We immensely enjoyed our conversation with Shakina all around faith, race, and identity, and we hope you do too. So I grew up in a Pentecostal family. Um, My mother was very interested in studying Judaism So we studied Judaism at home mainly, and we kept Shabbat, which is uh, uh, Sabbath, Friday night to Saturday night. Uh, We did holidays like Rosh Hashanah, which is the head of the year, and Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement. Um, And so for the most part, I grew up going to church, going to Lutheran school, but thinking that I was Jewish. And so when I was 12, asked my mother when I would be having my bat mitzvah. She said that I wasn't having a bat mitzvah because I wasn't Jewish. And that was kind of the point for me where I decided that I wanted to convert. Uh, Problem being that no rabbi is going to convert a 12 year old uh, without their entire family converting or their immediate family converting. So I had to wait until I was 18 to begin studying with rabbis. Um, In between that time, I went to youth groups with my friend uh, from high school and I went to, um, and I did a lot of online learning. And this was right around the time that uh, Sefria, which is an online uh, resource of Jewish uh, literature. Uh, So there's the Torah, the Tanakh, and the Talmud that's available on Sefria. So that was basically what I did up until I was 18 and was able to do formal education with rabbis. Um, That was a little bit difficult. Uh, Most rabbis were like, yeah, it seems like you're ready, but I don't know if you would be comfortable in this community. And so it took me some time and until I started working at the organization I work now, Bacola Shon, um, it's a nonprofit that focuses on ethnic and racial diversity within the Jewish community um, that I was able to organize a Beit Den to convert. That's definitely sounds like it was quite the process to, to convert into that. Um, what, what, what about it really kind of drew you in in the first place? I mean, it sounds like you grew up with it from a pretty young age, but what about it like what kind of really spoke to you at, at that time? Um, I would say like, well, my mom passed when I was 14. So some of it was trying to feel more connected to my mother. And then also it's just uh, in the Pentecostal tradition, you're taught to place yourself where you can hear God. Um, And I couldn't hear God in church, Mm -hmm. but I felt like I could hear God in ritual practice in Judaism. That definitely definitely does make a a huge difference. So once you we're in the process of converting and kind of learning the culture, uh, what kind of discriminations did you start to face? Um, it wasn't a whole lot of 
things that I noticed to begin with, like when I first started doing Jewish communal stuff, it's just people would ask, oh, um, what are you, like, not, not really what are you doing here, but like, are you a convert? And it's just like, I wasn't yet. Um, and so like that question didn't begin to bother me until later when I found out people shouldn't even be asking that. Like it's against uh, Jewish law code to ask people that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like a lot of the tension for me was trying to find a community um, in which I wouldn't uh, stand out too much, but also wouldn't be invisible. What was the fear? What, what kind of communities would you say kind of were you in a fear of being invisible? Um, it really, I mean, like a Jewish, there's not really a central authority in Judaism. So every Jewish community, every synagogue, every Jewish communal space is different. And there are, I would say like the invisibility factor comes in with this avoidance. Um, there are some communities that are more avoidant than others. And I would say like, it's not because they don't want me to be there or they don't want, uh, or they're racist. It's more that they want, they want me to be, or they, they don't want to, they don't want to say the wrong thing. They don't want to, uh, and I mean, like I would say for the most part, like that's one of the barriers for a lot of people is they avoid certain conversations that could be uncomfortable because they don't want to say the wrong thing. Is that, is that like a, is there a contrast with that and kind of the, uh, the discrimination or racial problems that you faced kind of outside of the Jewish faith and just America's in general? Yeah, I would say like most Americans are not racist. They just don't want to say the wrong thing. And so they practice a lot of avoidance mm-hmm. uh, when communicating to people of color. And they want to be on the right side of history. They want to do the right thing, but they have a hard time uh, coming or meeting those cultural barriers and um, trying to understand people where they are. Obviously, even just being within when the the conversation around race and then looking at religion, you know, I think that's also a very similar thing where people don't want to say the same thing, like the say the wrong things regarding different religions. Um, so I don't know. I, I may, maybe you can just like elaborate a little bit more between, um, you know, being within the Jewish community and the black community and what both of those experiences look like on each end. Well, I mean, like I would say like there the jewish community is very very diverse um it's a lot more diverse than people assume and i would say like the assumption that jews are white is a very american narrative and it's because and it's it's not that it's an incorrect narrative it's an incomplete narrative the reality is that most american jews did come from eastern europe so that most american jews do pass as white in American society. And um, a lot of Jews themselves don't see themselves as white. But in or, but for me, like uh, walking around telling people that I'm Jewish, um, they question it because I lack the whiteness. Um, and, or they've never met Jews of color before. 
but there are Jews all over the world. There are Jews in every country. And so by virtue of that, there would be, and there are Jews of color. Um, a lot of people don't stop to think about that. Um, when I tell people that there are Jews in India, they're like, oh, I'm like, well, what would Jews in India look like? They would look Indian. They wouldn't look like American Jews. Um, so it's really, it's really interesting. Like, I don't think that people stop to think about um, the narratives that they create. Yeah, and I, I feel like especially too in America, we really intertwine the relationship between race and religion. What about those conversations are hurtful and what can people who aren't aware that some of these religions are diverse, how do we better this conversation? I wouldn't say that uh, the conversations in, them, in and of themselves are hurtful. I would say that the conversation is often um, co coded in bias. Um, and that some individuals have come to the table with these preconceived notions about things that they're unfamiliar with. And they hold on to that belief and they hold on to it because it's comfortable and they don't want to be uncomfortable. Um, I, I like to say my bad goes a long way. Like there's no point in which anybody would think that you would know everything. <laughs> um, and it's okay to not know and it's okay to be wrong and it's okay to say my bad and to own that mistake. It's okay to make mistakes and that people shouldn't fear making them. So would you say that it's then kind of more important than <clears throat> to ease into getting out of our comfort zone instead of avoiding talking about certain subjects to maybe make mistakes here and there and that way we can actually learn the reality of things instead of just avoiding it and having a kind of fiction in our own mind. Right. I, that's exactly right. I think that it's very important to step out of our comfort zone enough to recognize our mistakes and to own them and to apologize for them. What, what are some of the best ways? I'm sure you've, I mean, you're surrounded, I'm sure often surrounded by people who don't want to step out of those comfort zones. What are some of the best ways that uh, we could do that? I would say like, listening listening to hear um to understand not to respond um it's like if you're unfamiliar with something it's completely and totally appropriate to ask questions um it's completely and totally appropriate to challenge your own assumptions um however i think that the barrier for a lot of people is that they don't suspend their belief when they ask those questions. Mm -hmm. They're asking questions and thinking of a response. Yeah, I think, I know <clears throat> growing up, that's, I was, I was much more religious growing up and kind of the thought of where you have, you're kind of stuck in your own reality and it's, it can be hard to think about somebody else's reality at the same time and kind of to break that barrier between the two of you and to talk on common ground. And sometimes there aren't common grounds. So what do you do when there's no common ground? You, you try to listen and you try to understand. 
and you in order to do that in order to fully understand somebody there's some things that you have to suspend like you don't necessarily have to embrace them but in order to come from a place of understanding or ultimately acceptance there are some things that you need to say like this isn't about me this is about the relationship that i'm trying to build with this person in the in the process of converting to judaism um could you maybe elaborate a little bit more on just going back to your experience um and where you're at now you know so um around the time that you were converting to judaism what did your community look like um and kind of what were some of the challenges starting out and where are you kind of now in that so um when i was converting i was when i was in the process i was in college and i was attending san francisco hillel um and i was one of very few people of color um at the hillel house and it was challenging at first and it was challenging because i was kind of one of the first groups of hillel students to have jews of color in it um which is weird considering that 20% of jews in america are people of color um what regard or at least non are they identify as non ashkenazi or non white meaning that they are sephardic or mizrahi meaning uh, sephardim are people from who are descended from spain and portugal um and latin america uh the mizrahim are people it means easterner people from um the middle east and north africa mainly um and there are many other smaller ethnic groups within the jewish community and then of course jews who are african american or or black latino mixed race or asian so given that 7% of jews in america are latino mixed race asian or black. I thought that I would see more people, but given that it's only 7% of 2%, there's not there's not a whole lot. So the numbers are quite few and far between. And so um when I started working at Bukola Shon, I was able to find a lot more of that community um globally and be connected with Jews from many different ethnic and racial backgrounds all around the world and that really helped me be able to form form my Beit Den. So the Beit Den is the is is a group of three people, two of whom need to be rabbis and one of whom needs to be a Jew um to usher in the convert. So basically uh what happens at this at this uh ritual ceremony is that you are asked questions you're asked numerous questions about um how you're going to incorporate jewish ritual into your life how you're going to maintain connection to the community if you are going to marry a jewish man if you are going to have a jewish family um and after you are either accepted or denied um in this case i was accepted 
the rabbis uh, sign your conversion certificate, and then you have you go into a um, and then there's the ritual. Um, there, there's a part of the ritual that has to do with water, um, and this is called the mikvah. The mikvah is a it's kind of like a small spa. Um, and there's seven steps to get into the mikvah. And the mikvah has to be full of 90% natural water. And the rest can be whatever. You can source it from wherever. But it has to be natural water, 90% of it. And it's very important that you go into this process completely and totally unadorned. Um, so you can't have nail polish. You can't have hair dye. You can't have makeup. You can't have cuticles or scabs or flaking skin. You can't have any product in your hair. Um, and it's like you have to be completely and totally um, authentic, completely and totally as if you had just come out of the womb. So the mikvah is kind of like a metaphor. Uh, the womb, in some ways, is kind of a metaphor for the mikvah. And I remember when I was walking into the room, into the mikvah room, there was the mikvah attendant and then there was a rabbi in there. And I had to walk down seven steps. And the reason there's seven steps is because of the creation story. There, it's like you step into the world, basically. And you fully, you have to completely and fully immerse yourself three times in this water. And every every immersion has a prayer. So the first prayer was the prayer for immersion. The second prayer was the Shehechianu. And the Shehechianu is a prayer for doing something for the first time. And then the last prayer was the Shema, which is basically the um, main prayer in Judaism, declaring that there is only one God. Um, and after that experience, it was. It was, uh, I mean, like, I felt like I stepped wholly into myself. It was very, it was a very, very formative experience for me. And the people who sat on my Beit Den, um, one of whom was Rabbi Gershom Sizomu um, from the Abudaya community in Uganda, it was, it was just like a very beautiful experience. And to see myself reflected in the community and to be holistic within myself. Now, that said, I'm, I was at the time the only Jew in my family, and it took a lot for them to be able to wrap their head around that. Um, most of my family members are very supportive, and some have ve are very concerned. They're very concerned for my spiritual well-being. What were kind of the dynamics, at least to start, regarding your family? You know, so you... You've grown up around a lot of you know, Jewish culture. You're converting to Judaism, yet so many of your family might not agree with that. Um, were there any like conversations that happened and just trying to find kind of common ground or empathy within your family and be accepted? Um, not obviously just within that, the Jewish community, but. I think that everybody in my family has accepted it. Now, whether or not they're concerned about my spiritual well-being, like, if I will be able to go to heaven, if, if I've accepted Jesus Christ into my heart. And like, that is, 
those are concerns that Christians will have for other people, and that's fair. And those are concerns that I will never be able that that, that will always exist for them, and that I will never be able to um, take away. And it's okay for them to be concerned. Um, but ultimately, like in a quest to connect to the connect to the divine or be connected with God in any way, you have to sometimes walk the path that you hear God on, and it might not be the path that other people have chosen for you. So after you've kind of gone through this process and um, I mean, at this point you must've experienced a lot of different types of communities. Um, What have you, what's the best way you've kind of been able to find your own space and um, where you feel comfortable and where you feel like you fit in the most? I mean, like I definitely feel like I fit in the most at my job. Mm. Um, And I feel like I fit in the most at Camp Coalition. So Capicola Shone was started about 10 years ago. Um, before I started working at Capicola Shone, they used to do think tanks where they would ga- gather uh, different Jews from all over the world um, to build a community to learn about each other. And as the kids that started to come to the think tank got older, they wanted to be able to do things like family camps. So they would invite these these families um, to come connect, these multiracial, multicultural, multi, multi-ethnic Jewish families to connect. And as those kids got older, they wanted to be able to do that, but without their parents. Um, so we started Camp Bacola Shown. And I mean, like to be with other people, to be surrounded by other people who share that story that share being kind of the only one like themselves um, in their community is, is, it's amazing. It's like, it's great. And um, also like Jews of color communities online. It's just like, I am connected to so many people like myself and in such an unprecedented way. What have you seen from being able to connect to all these, you know, really, in their community, there's such a unique perspective where they're at. What are, what are some of the kind of most impactful things you've been able to see from that? The, I would say like, you know, like it's, uh, I don't know what the, what the impact necessarily would be. Um, I don't, I don't know that that's a, that's a question I can answer. Hmm. I'd be kind of interested too, and maybe you can elaborate for listeners. Um, you know, I just from kind of my own personal experience, um, you know, uh, friends who are uh, Orthodox Jewish and all those kinds of things. Could you elaborate a little bit more on the dynamics of converts in Judaism um, and kind of maybe your personal experience converting? Um, did were, did you receive kind of any uh, pushback? Um, from people within the Jewish community about your personal experience and being a convert? Um, I would say as far as being a convert, I haven't received very much pushback. Um, when it comes to level of practice, you, yeah, I mean, like, but everybody who's not an Orthodox Jew receives pushback from Orthodox Jews. So um, I converted in the conservative movement. Uh, which means that my level of practice is a little bit more um, 
is more than reform Jews, but it's not as it's it's not as stringent and as dedicated as Orthodox Jews. Um, so when we think about denominational practice in Judaism, it's really about level of observance. Um, and in the reform communities, it's like your level of it's like your level of reserve, of observance is the level that you have, and there's no um, there's not really any pushback in some conservative communities. There's some competition about um, level of observance, but like I would say, like that's literally the only pushback I've received uh, about being a convert in the Jewish community is my level of observance. Otherwise, I've been very greatly embraced. Um, for converting. I think that definitely goes against <clears throat> kind of the lots of the stereotypes towards the Jewish faith of I think lots of people hope, or think of it as that thought of well if you convert you can't really be a real Jew but these are you know that's I guess what I've heard in the past and that's you know from little experience it's really cool to kind of hear that. Well when you convert to Judaism you are a real Jew. There's not, I mean, like, Jews are an ethnic, ethno-religion. So, yes, there are some parts of Judaism culturally that are different. And some things, like, I don't have a historical connection to. Um, and there are questions about that. It's a question, you know? Like, it's a question depending on who I'm talking to. Um, how they see me in the community, but ultimately um, what the Talmud says about converts is that you shouldn't remind them that they're a convert as you wouldn't remind an adopted child that they're adopted. So it's like, this is a chosen family, basically. I mean, like, when we think about, I, I think that a lot of times when we think about Abrahamic tradition, we think about faith. And that makes sense for Christianity, most streams of Christianity, it makes sense for most uh, most of Islam. It does not make sense for Judaism because Judaism isn't a faith. It's more of a ritual tradition. It's more of a culture um, that does have a religious uh, precedent to it, but that not everybody adheres to. So like, there's so many different ways to be Jewish. There's not one way. Um, and because of that, it's it's very difficult to define who who's a Jew and who isn't a Jew. What's a good Jew? What's a bad Jew? And um, it's I think that Jews, for the most part, since we pre-exist a lot of these uh, racial and ethnic uh, delineations and, stru and structures, um, it, we don't fit cleanly into it. So like you can be Jewish because that's your nationality. Like if you're a Russian Jew, you're not a Russian. You're a Jew. Or if you're Israeli, you'll have Jew on your passport if you're Jewish. Um, you could be Jew ethnically or racially uh, you, and not at all adhere to any religious principle. Um, you could be a Jew culturally and be very heavily involved in the culture and not really necessarily want to be involved religiously. Or you could be a Jew religiously. Like There's so many different ways to be a Jew that I don't think that um, for the sake of Jews, uh, that's a very much a that's not a uh, that the, the conversation that we're having in the community is more about um, 
more about levels of observance, more about connection to the community than um, what's the best interpretation of who's a Jew. And I feel like that's uh, can be such a freeing thing. I mean, compared to a lot of other like religious communities and just o- overall our conversations around, you know, putting people kind of in their box, you know, it's like you were labeled this, you were labeled that. And I don't know, I feel like that would have to be a pretty um, freeing community to be a part of where it's more about just where you're at in your journey rather than this is the one way to do it. I mean, I feel like that is a, a, a pretty um, big contrast to a lot of other religious communities. Yeah. I mean, like there are so many different modalities of practice within Judaism and uh, there's no correct way. Um, also, it's just like, given that, um, you know, as an American Jew, um, living in the United States, like we're also impacted by that culture. So I would say like a lot of the problems that I experience among community have a lot more to do with America than they have to do with Judaism. Does your race um, play into how you practice your faith? Maybe you can elaborate on that if it does. I would say that my race doesn't really have anything to do with my practice. Um, I would say as far as engaging with community, sometimes it can be a a struggle and it's about authenticity. When you have a group of people who for the most part, you know, like you can, it's like you have a group of people for the most part, they are from a similar part in the world and they have, they share a cultural connection that way. Um, And then you have different traditions or you look different right? There's questions about that. There's questions about your authenticity. Do you belong here? Because you don't look like you belong here. And, you know, once people are, you know, convinced or they understand that I'm Jewish, it's a very different conversation that we're having. Um, And that is about, you know, a lot of fear. And I completely and totally understand the fear, um, given that, as part of the American narrative, like Jews are being attacked pretty frequently. And, you know, also as a black person, black people are being attacked um, pretty frequently and brutally extrajudicially. And I mean, like that's, there's a lot of similar struggles between, between the two communities as far as the role they play in American society. And there are also a lot of differences. And I think that being black is a very, very, very important part of my identity, but I don't really tie it into my religious identity that often, unless it has to do with a much larger issue in American society. Because I feel like that's ultimately where um, my blackness plays the largest role. It's the most overt. It's just out there. I can't hide it. It's all over me. So how, how would you say these I, identities kind of relate to each other? Do you, do you feel like you kind of are sometimes 
you have battles on two different fronts on trying to help people understand Jewish culture and trying to help people understand what it means to be black in America. Um, do these, like you say, they don't really, they're kind of two separate identities, like a religious identity and your more, uh, your other identity that's always public. Um, do these relate often or are they often kind of very separated? I'm like, for me, they, they relate because I think of myself very holistically as both black and Jewish. Um, you know, like those are, it's like, regardless of whether I'm experiencing um, I, discrimination or racism because of my blackness, I'm still experiencing it as a Jew. And regardless of whether I'm experiencing anti-Semitism, I'm still experiencing it as a black person. So, I mean, like, I think that for me, my identities are very tied together. But I would say that um, in navigating some issues within the American landscape, uh, some of those, my Black identity is just the most visual. So that's the one I have to deal with the most. Um, and like my Jewish identity, unless I'm wearing Judaica, unless I'm in shul, is not apparent. And that's the same for most Jews, most secular Jews. If you're not in shul or you're not in synagogue and you're not wearing any Judaica, there's no way for anybody to be able to tell that you're Jewish unless you tell them. So um, I think that it's very important to think of how the American landscape plays into a lot of our social and cultural norms. Um, not necessarily um, thinking of them as inexorable, but at the same time, it's, it's kind of challenging to separate them. It's kind of challenging to separate them in the American landscape. Um, for example, like in Israel, yeah, there's still racism um, just by virtue of there being racism everywhere. Um, but it's different than American racism. And I have a very different experience. I have a very different ethnic identity in Israel than I have in the United States. And it's because how other people perceive me there. Um, and my, my experiences in Israel are very, very different among Israeli Jewish community than they are among American Jewish community. So I think that a lot of these issues or a lot of these tensions have to do with the way that we navigate this landscape in America. From your perspective of, um, you know, being in the midst of this for, in the context of America, you know, when it comes to race and religion and how much we, I think, stereotype those to go together often, um, you know, what, what can people, like, what do we need to do to change that conversation? We need to challenge our assumptions because just like in Judaism, Christianity and Islam also are multiracial, multi-ethnic religions. There are people from every country, people who speak every language, people of every ethnic origin that participate in these, in these religions. And I don't think that we think about it that way. I think that we think of, um, you know, black churches and white churches. And we think of um, 
when we think of white Mormons and black Mormons, when really like it's the Mormon church is the Mormon church and the Mormon church is very ethnically and racially diverse, just like the Christian church is very ethnically and racially diverse, just like um, most mosques in the United States are ethnically and racially diverse. Religion in the United States is a very ethnically and racially diverse thing. Yeah, with the United States being such, I mean, the United States is a melting pot of different culture. It would only make sense that uh, really any religion that survives inside it would also be a melting pot of culture. That's correct. And like, while people have different modalities of practice that might differ uh, or be more culturally related, um, like music in the Lutheran church versus music in the Pentecostal church has a lot to do with culture. But at the end of the day, like there are still black, Latino and Asian Lutherans and there are still white, uh, Latino, black and mixed race Pentecostal people. So I think that it's very damaging to assign race to religion. It damages the narrative because it's an incomplete narrative. It's not true. Yeah, it's kind of different parts of our as you kind of, as you mentioned with your identity, it's, it's all different parts of our identity and it's not because of one, we don't have a certain faith because of how we were born necessarily, um, which is a really good thing <laughs> that we're able to choose. Right, we can choose. And also like there are black Jews who were born Jewish. Like people can become Jewish through couple of different ways like you can be born Jewish you could be adopted into a Jewish family you could convert but I would say like conversions into Judaism are not not so common they're not very common because they're challenging and while they do exist and they are possible I would say the majority of uh, Jews of color are a product of adoption and um, intermarriage so these are people who were born Jewish, who other people would assume are converts because they don't fit the narrative. And uh, with if people assume that they're converts, is there any is there any struggles that they would kind of fa- face to overcome that? I mean, like it's kind of uh, again, I would say it has to do with perception, how you perceive yourself versus how other people perceive you, and a lot of that has to do with um, the cultural norms of the society that you're in at the time that you're in it. And so when people are thinking of Jewishness and Eastern European identity being inexorably linked in the United, in the narrative of the United States, it isn't necessarily untrue, but it definitely overshadows the fact that there are Jews in the United States who are not Eastern European. And so then when you encounter those, when you encounter those um, outliers uh, that do not fit your preconceived notion, it can be challenging and it can be uncomfortable. And it can be uncomfortable to switch your thinking to um, thinking to just be like, okay, I'm embracing and accepting this new information versus I now need to find some way to make make this make sense for me. And it's now your responsibility to make it make sense for me. Yeah. And I feel like too, it's been kind of a reoccurring theme of thinking about, you know, changing 
our perception and questioning things. And so I'd be curious to know, what would you hope people who are either struggling with their race and their faith identity, or just people who have never thought about this concept, what do you, what would you hope they kind of take away and learn from your experience and other people within your community? Um, It's a challenge and there's always going to be people who ask questions. Some of them will be comfortable and some of them won't be comfortable, but at the end of the day, nobody is entitled to your story. And you have the power to share what you want to share and not share what you don't want to share if you're struggling with your um, your identity as far as race and religion. For those people who have questions about it, it's really about building relationships. Um, some questions are appropriate to ask when you first meet somebody. Some questions are not. And ultimately, if you want to know the answers to those questions, if that's something that's very important to that person's identity, they will tell you. They will tell you and you won't have to ask. But it's, it's about being able to build a relationship to the point where they feel comfortable having that conversation with you. I think it's, uh, especially, I mean, even with now, this will be kind of a, we'll kind of date the episode, but with, you know, the virus going on, everybody distance, it's, relationships is such a kind of difficult thing to think about and you know how we form those with other people as is there what, what would you say are ways or that people um maybe if you're they're in a rut with their own assumptions that can like that you would say you know to break out of their rut or to break out and kind of discover new things i think that it's important to Again, like my bad goes a long way. Like you can say, it's like not everything that you think is necessarily something you should say, one. Two, it's like if you do say the thing that you thought and the person responded to it, not in the way that you thought that they would. And they're letting you know that they didn't feel comfortable with the way that that question was asked, then maybe it's an appropriate time to say, hey, well, I didn't, while that wasn't my intention, I acknowledge that, you know, this was the impact of that and that this is how you feel and your feelings are valid. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, thank, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. It's been a really, really powerful topic to think about and to learn from. Um, is there um, any way people could find you, uh, learn more about the organization you work for? Um, so we, Nicola Shone is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, um, I believe at Nicola Shone. And we also have a website. Uh, we just launched our P2P or Passport to People, Peoplehood program that focuses on connecting um, Jewish holidays to communities around the world. Um, to Jewish communities around the world. Um, right now, we are offering those educational resources for free. Um, so if you have kids and you wanna learn more about different Jewish communities around the world, you should visit globaljews.org and look, to, look at our Passport to Peoplehood programming. Um, if you'd like to connect with me personally, I am at Shekina on Twitter. 
Well, that concludes this week's episode of What the Faith. If you like what you heard and would like to connect further with the community, make sure to subscribe and leave a review to the channel. And if there is a particular topic that you want to see covered or a religion that you think Ash and I might not already be covering uh, in a further episode, please send us a message. Uh, We would love to hear from you. Send us an email at whatthefaithspace at gmail.com. Again, that's whatthefaithspace at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in and see you next week.